Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for tuning in today. My name is Dan Mecca, and I'm here to introduce a new podcast from the film stage. It's called The B-Side, and the mission is pretty simple. We take established movie stars and explore the movies they made in between the big ones, in between the movies that made them stars, the movies that kept them stars, kept them famous, kept them in the culture. These are movies that they tried and didn't work, or maybe they did work, but nobody cared about them. Um, They're the lost boys, the lost boys and girls of these big careers. There is a fascination in the choices and the moments in time that led these people to these projects and a lot to be gained in revisiting them and kind of figuring out the why and the who and the what and the when and the where of it all. The B-Side will post to our usual film stage podcast channel. So please comment, rate, review. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe and let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you'd like to see, what movie stars you'd like to see us do. Any suggestions, any compliments, any criticisms, all is welcome. And thanks for listening. Welcome one and all to the B-Side. Here we take a look at established movie stars and specifically those in-between movies they made after they were famous, but not the movies that made them famous or the movies that kept them famous. These are the movies that came out and no one really saw them or times forgotten them and That's what we're talking about. That's why we're here. This is our mission. This is why we wake up in the morning, why we go to sleep at night. Not all heroes wear capes. (laughs) I'm not alone, thankfully. My name's Dan Mecca. I am a producer and the co-founder of a little website called The Film Stage. Joining me today is a close friend, best man at my wedding, as a matter of fact. That's true. Editor in New York, um, a New York editor, if you will, a uh, very talented gentleman, sometime contributor to the film stage as well. Occasionally. Sometimes. Um, his name is Connor O'Donnell. Hi. Welcome. Thanks Thank for joining me. Thank you for having me. Okay. And today, we're getting into some cruise control. We're cruising down the lane, talking about Thomas Cruise. He's a big guy. He's a star. Not a, I mean, not a big guy. Short, no, short, short famously uh, short guy. Physically short guy. Yeah. But here we, here we are. He's a big star. A big movie star. One of the biggest yeah. movie stars. I yeah. mean, you know, pound for pound, inch for inch. Yeah, you could, you could yard by yard. <laughs> yard by, by yard. yard. Different thing. <laughs> he is. Um, he's a big guy. He, he, big guy in the sense that he, he's been a movie star for a long time. You got to cruise apologist here so be warned but we're me and connor we are fans of tom cruise the movie star and and, and look and, and what a star right and i think here we are now well the you numbers would, would dictate right, of course now here, here's the thing you would think to yourself dan connor what are tom cruise's b-sides right and it's a good question and we ourselves when we painstakingly researched this for hours we asked ourselves we looked in the mirror we said what are the Tom Cruise B-sides? Because this, like we're saying, 
even now his movies there's traction right you're like oh that's the new tom cruise movie you can make an argument recently you have more potential b-sides right you're american maids right Mm. you're jack reacher never go back you're oblivions the oblivions thank you these are potential b-sides these are movies recent movies tom cruise that are middling right they're not bombs they're not hits they're making money back making some money on vod probably but ultimately, in the in, in in the legacy of the cruise, you know, no one's going. Hey, never go back. Let's talk. You know what I'm saying? No one's. I right, mean, maybe except, except for, for that us, movie. right? Yeah. Well, and the B side, right? Yeah. Talk about it. We're gonna we're gonna highlight a chunk of time that he was. He w- there was a lot going on for Tom. It's 2007 to 2010. Okay, he makes four movies. Okay, one's basically a glorified cameo. Though it is glorious. Mm-hmm. It's Tropic Thunder. Indeed. It's an amazing performance. Golden Globe nominated. And you know what? He earned it. He's one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Les Grossman. We're not going to talk a lot about it. Because it was a hit. It's important to acknowledge it. Yeah. You know, finally worked with Ben Stiller, old-time friend. And it works. And it's a movie that's only grown in estimation. I think you could call it, it's almost classic comedy status, right? It's a good satire. Uh, directed by Ben Stiller, a big movie about making a big movie, right? It's good. Yeah, it's good. But we're not we're not here to talk about the successful movie. Okay, we're here to talk about Lions for Lambs. So it's important. we're here to talk about Valkyrie, and we're here to talk about Night and Day. Those are our three today. And as Connor was just going to say, and then this is important. You're right, uh, especially for the first two. What is the give us the Connor? Give us the context for this period in in the cruisy in well, the cruisy cruise. So it's a it's a big sea change, right? Because right. it's it's post melt quote unquote meltdown, right? Uh, where what the, was the melt? Remind us quickly. The the, the Oprah couch I- incident. Right. The first video, as Amy Nicholson so eloquently writes in her lovely book, uh, to go viral on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and that's that's I think a big part of it. Uh, she points out in that book. The uh, guy's in love. Yeah, indeed. Well, is he? He's well. Is he? Huh? Or is he in like Scientology love? He's in love with That's, Dawson. He's in love he's, with the creek. He's, he's in love with Katie. He's in love and she's under contract for sure. <laughs> well, uh-huh. something. Right. So, so, so it's that, right? It's the yeah. couch. It's the jump. And then almost more so, I think history would say, is the, uh, is the followed, right? Which yeah. was the underperforming. Well, no, 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 no. It's the Matt Lauer. Oh, right. Which weirdly now with the Lauer stuff, yeah. which I didn't even think about, but it's the weird Today Show interview, right? right. Where you, Lauer's like, Tom, we're all happy you're married to Katie, or you're going to marry Katie Holmes, star of Mad Money. Uh, not yet, but we'll be. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking about Mad Money. So he goes, he goes, Tom, Tommy, we love you. You're a national treasure. We're happy you're married to Katie, but I got to ask you a question. You're a Scientologist, right? And he's like, yeah. And Lauer's like, you don't believe in, what, what was it? You don't believe in in what? Uh, Postpartum so, depression, yeah, right? Yeah, That's it what it was. all about Brooke the, Bro- Shields. the Brooke Shields thing. And, yeah, yeah. So here's what happens, right? War of the Worlds comes out. It's a monster hit. Okay. But along with it is this publicity tour that goes sideways, right? And it's like, 
a lot of stuff had happened. He fired, I think, his old publicist who kind of was 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 a hero with yeah. hiding that Scientology stuff. He decided to become more open about speaking about the Scientology stuff. Hired he hired his sister, sister Correct, yeah. who was inexperienced, and all of a sudden it's like, right, oh five. And he's become a pariah, right? It's like, oh, yeah, he is a weirdo, right? Oh, yeah, Tom Cruise, what's up? What's up with Tom? Yeah, and I think right? I think a big a big part of it is it was uh, pre-YouTube, most of his career up until that point. Right, it's, it's and, you know, it's it's National Enquirer and, or whatever. And so, and so, like, the memification of the internet wasn't wasn't as as big or quick a thing pre, pre-social media, all that. So right. it was easier, right? It was just easier. I feel like for everybody back then to like hide hide their yeah. their skeletons a little bit. Well, right, and I think, and also I think it was a thing of right, and you can read about all this stuff, right? Going clear the book, the documentary, you know, Amy Nicholson's book. It's not Amy Nicholson's book's less about uh, the Scientology, but she does have that great L.A. Uh, is it LA Times, LA Weekly column? Right, the LA Weekly Well, yeah, that she, column yeah, alone. Amy, I would Amy, almost recommend her write that or yeah, read that first. Yeah, yeah. If you want a really good preface on everything we just talked about, uh, uh, just more in depth. Yeah, uh, welcome. This is the Amy Nicholson podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but so, but so, yeah. So to that point, it's this is the weirdest. This is the toughest time in his career. So he decides to be more open about his Scientology, right? And there's a lot to this, right? When he make when he makes Eyes Wide Shut. He basically he's 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 living in London, right, for over a year, and he uh, to some degree closes himself off from Miscavige and these Scientologists, and for a minute almost you know escapes, right, not to get, but but he doesn't, and he comes back, and it's and it, and he's in, right, he's in, but he's still Tom Cruise, and it's the guy who the guy who can be so big, the Vanilla Sky grosses a hundred million dollars domestically right? right that alone should yeah. tell you how big this guy was in 01 okay minority report hit last samurai mild hit collateral best notices of his career right one some of the best notices of of his career works with michael mann yeah, performance wise uh, performance wise sure, yeah. a big hit uh, in its own way and then war of the worlds biggest i think still biggest hit of his career domestically yeah and even worldwide is that true no, okay. Some of the Mission Impossibles usurped it, but yeah. monster hit in 05, right? But here's the deal. Here's the thing. Okay. He does this publicity tour and he becomes a bit of a pariah and he's fighting and it's a little embarrassing and what, what, what happened? But what does he do? So Paramount, right? He makes he makes Mission Impossible 3. JJ mm-hmm. Abrams. It comes out. It underperforms, right? It's a good movie. By okay. Mission Impossible standards, under underperforms. But it underperforms. Yeah, yeah it definitely does. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're looking at it and you're saying, Dan, Connor, what do you mean? And what I mean is this. Domestically, it makes $134 million. Okay? It's by far domestically the lowest grossing of any of the Mission Impossibles. And it's... And it, and and clearly some of it is the image, right? Some of it is, you know, we don't the blooms off guy. the rose, right? Mm-hmm. So Paramount's like, Tom, we have a deal with you. We have a deal with your production company. Thanks, but no thanks. We're goodbye. And what does he do? Now, and this is interesting. And, and it's weird because people don't talk about it a lot. And it's and this is why this, this B-side-y period is a fascinating period for Tom Cruise and just for the, for the weird history of Hollywood, right? <laughs> he buys a movie studio. 
Yeah. Right? He straight up buys United Artists. The announcement was on November 2nd, 2006. This is after Mission Impossible 3 underperforms, after all of this. It comes after their release from the 14-year production relationship with Paramount Pictures. And in conjunction with MGM Studios, they create United Artists Entertainment LLC. Right? I'm reading this off of Wikipedia. Um, and Cruz and Wagner own 30% of UA. The deal gave Cruz and Wagner control over production and development. And so this is what's fascinating. For basically a two to three year period, Tom Cruise was basically a studio head, right? Yeah. And it just it's just fascinating because it's just he's this movie star who buys a studio. And what are the movies he makes? And this is where it's crazy. It's Lions for Lambs and Valkyrie. Those are the movies, right? Those are the movies he makes, basically. And he's in them. And they're movies. I, yeah. They're these weird movies. Well, they're li- adult dramas. Yeah, basically. like Lion, Lions for Lambs, which is funny to think about, right? Like the adult drama thing. Uh, the, and this is a thing, you and I talk about it a lot, not just in conjunction with Cruise, but in Hollywood in general, right? There is a distinct lack of, of like just adult drama, like big, wide-release adult drama, right? And um, ho- like high-profile adult entertainment. Right. And... You know, he basically tried to do that in in you know oh seven, right? And right. He, he pivots back into the kind of movie, right, uh, directed by Robert Redford, sure. right, with Redford and Shreep, like that that cast in like like he almost makes a movie he would have made, you know, in like ninety two, like do you know what I mean? He like he makes yeah. a movie. There are hard heavy hitters. Yeah, he would have been yeah. too young, but it's very much like a few good men. Kind of, of th- kind of thing. Like, it's political. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's heavy. You know, it's it's it's. I mean, it's overwrought and, and really not not very good. Yeah, but totally. but you know, in interviews, Cruz always talks about. You know, he obviously look when he does interviews. You know, we love Tom Cruise, but especially now, he's very caged, right? And it's a you know, can, it feels you know. like a canned interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, mm. and but he'll always come back to. He says he watches a movie a day, right? He loves classic movies, all this stuff, and and I think. If we're made, if we're meant to believe him, right? This small nugget of time speaks to that. Lions for Lambs, for all of its faults, and it's basically—I mean, it is just a faulty picture, right? Yeah, it's not good. It, it speaks to what he was going for. What you're saying, I mean, he's like, let me make this weird, you know, weird triptych movie where he's 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 Senator Jasper Irving, right? Which, what a name! Yeah, yeah. and like he's a slimy. Senator, do you get elected with a name like Jasper Irving? <laughs> I think now more than ever. Well, yes, yeah, certainly. But right. in 07, do you get it? In 07, <laughs> do you kinda, get elected I, with a name like Jasper Irving? I like the name Jasper Irving. It's and a and good. It's, it's, it's a, a good, good politician's name. Well, it's a good Movie name for like a smarmy politi- politician, right? Yeah, yeah. And he and and for what it's worth, he's given a pretty interesting performance. I mean, he's it's one note. I mean, like you read about. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is. Oh, oof, right. And Meryl Streep. I mean, one of her. I mean, look, we love Meryl. It's a bad performance. Yeah. I mean, and same with Redford. They I mean, it's a, basically a. This movie is basically a, you know, a a a graduate school essay movie, right? right. It's, it's it's a lefty leaning. This is why you don't go into Iraq, type of thing, right? Like, yeah. Like corruptions of power the glad handing behind the scenes why you know why do we fight you know redford is a 
college professor and a young Andrew Garfield wants to go to war. And Michael Pena is in Michael Pena. Too, and so there's a, there's a whole other part of the movie where it's Peter Berg and Michael Pena um, is a soldier and they're pinned down. That's like a whole other part of the movie. I mean, yeah, that speaks that speaks to the shitty nature of this movie. Is like I totally forgot about all that. Well, but yeah. and this it's very it's it's discombobulated. I mean, it's meant to be an not an anthology, I guess, but a you know a, like a it's a little crashy. You yeah, know, it's like, like a yeah. little like these things are happening and like the, you know because I if the, my memory might be betraying me, but I think Cruz like or, I think Cruz's character like ordered the strike or is part of the committee the committee that ordered it or something like that you know and streep is a journalist and she's interviewing jasper irving um senator jasper irving and and it's all hogwash you know he's giving her can lines and she's digging she's like jasper irving senator tom cruise mapather what's up give me the hard truth and crew he's just got his he's got a smile on and so it's that's the movie. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. I mean, it's there's not much about it that's interesting. Visually, it's not very interesting. The war, the the battle scenes are are bad. I mean, yeah. they're shot, you know, in a studio, muddily shot. It's you know, look, it's Redford. Well, it's, Redford has done far better work. He's a, a great think, director. I think everybody has. That's the weird thing about. It's this, a weird movie. That's the yeah. weird thing about this movie is that all the people involved, like Redford, is a very good director. Yeah, Meryl Streep is the greatest, right? And like Tom Cruise, for his merit, has has great performances oh, yeah. under his He's belt. A star. Like he he can hold his own with these people. It's just there's like it's so funny. There's literally nothing worth saying about this movie other than the fact. The most interesting thing about it is that it happened, right? Is that like in in the careers of these people, Cruise in particular, because it's in this weird little lull, you know, like. It feels to me, particularly uh, because it was his first um, United Artists movie, it feels to me like he does War of the Worlds, monster hit, right? While that's happening, the the fallout happens, right? Yeah. He makes Mission Impossible 3. It underperforms, right? right? He realizes, like, okay, I maybe I can't retreat to, like, blockbuster movies for people to come see me so maybe i'll try yeah. doing like well the, i think he's kind of like fine i'll do it myself yeah no no but that's my point i think right, after paramount's like fuck yeah. you, you and, know? I, and i but i don't even think for this movie in particular like it doesn't feel like something like he was like i really want to do this and like the only way i can get it made is to do it through ua it feels like he's making a calculated decision to like okay i you know, I had some trouble doing my blockbuster thing, so let me do like a quiet thing. Let me do like the born on the Fourth of July thing, and maybe see if I still have cred that way, right? Like, let me do like, and not only sure. that, not only that, like he's third build. He's not a star. He's not the star of the movie. Like, well, he's, and he's, it's it's heavily supporting, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's it's yeah. it's smart ish. I mean, it's not because it didn't really pan out, but it it's a it feels like a logical move, uh, but it's just. I, I don't know. It's not. It, it's. I think it's just a kind of a complete dud. Like, don't watch this movie. Like everything we just told you about. <laughs> well, it, I think should I, be enough. I think, in its own way, it's just interest. It's just an interesting piece of time too. I mean, you know, you're speaking about. <clears throat> you're speaking about kind of a different. You know, it's '07, right? It's still Bush. You know, the country's angry, right? Um, obviously, the intention of this movie is to to. St- 
to to get at that. It, it's meant to be middle of the road. It's meant to be moderate in its politics to some degree. It's 88 minutes long. It's God, short. God bless it. Um, reading about it here. So this is the first film Cruiser Wagner uh, did under UA. Filming began on January 29th, 2007. Now the movie, right, came out November 8th. So just l- listen to that. That's crazy. Yeah. January 29th, November 8th. That's a quick turnaround, right? Redford was quoted as saying, it's, quote, the tightest schedule I've ever worked with, with barely a year between the announcement and the release. And, you know, look, and it shows, right? I mean, it sounds like Matthew Michael Carnahan wrote a script. They liked it. They shot it. They released it. There wasn't a lot of time to kind of mess with it, tinker with it, feel it out, see what works, see what didn't. It got made. Didn't make any money, right? Cost $35 million, reported $35 million. Uh, the box office worldwide was just over 60, right? So nobody's making anything off of it. Nobody's, you know, going to the poorhouse either, but it's a whatever thing. Doesn't happen, doesn't spark. Cruz is disappointed, right? Like you're saying. Well, and, and the it's only a big shot. The w- w- at the time one of the big reasons he cited for making it was was just Redford. Like he was just like Yeah. Ro- I like Robert Redford. Like him. And and so it it just it it feel like that's a relatively empty impetus to make a movie. And I feel like the movie uh, kind of shows that. Um, and then the next thing that he does, I mean, feels like it's got more zhuzh to it. Right. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a bigger movie. Yeah. It, Christmas day release. Right. Right. Uh, that's right. It came out, came out on Christmas and, uh, it, it make it makes a little more sense for him. It actually feels And it's a sneaky hit. It's not yeah, it's yeah. a sneaky little hit. And it's not. I mean, I actually I I I like this movie. I yeah, think it's, as well. I think, as I think well. it's mostly pretty good. I think he basically uh the movie's Valkyrie, by the way. Um but it he basically like I think does the middle ground of what I was just talking about where it feels like he's trying to make some version of a blockbuster and a prestige picture at the same time, and uh, and you know I I don't think either of those panned out to the degree in either of those directions. Yeah, that maybe pe- the people involved would have hoped, but I mean he enlists kind of the right people to do it. I mean you know it gets Brian Singer. Right, I think I think <laughs> at the time, at the a, time a, big, yeah. a, a bigger get. It begins the yeah. uh, the now like Cruz Macquarie bromance, which, well, is, which is the most important thing probably now. Yeah, right about the relationship. Yeah, is totally. that it starts now? What is this kind of second half of the career Resurgence collaboration thing? Yeah, between Macquarie and Tommy. And uh, yeah, and I think I mean I think the big hero of the movie is John Ottman, the editor. Right, um, and I did. He also do the score. He may have. Yeah. He usually did, did. Did does did that with yeah. It's Bo- a singer Brian joint, because um, it's a very like. I mean, the the nice thing about this movie, and I mean, for anybody who's not familiar with it, very quickly, Operation Valkyrie was the attempt within the Nazi Party to assassinate Hitler, right? And the way the movie is kind of staged. I think, and I don't know whose decision this was, but it feels like the right one. It's one of those movies, it's the kind of movie that, like, if it had come out in 1965, it might have been nominated for Best Picture, right? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, and uh, like you're saying, not weirdly, not unlike Lions for Lambs to some degree, 
it feels very old fashioned. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Right, it feels. I mean, and it, and it is right. It is old fashioned, right? So, like, none of the Nazis have German accents. Like, right, that's, everybody's doing their accent. And it's a, and like it's Tom a, Cruise isn't doing an accent. And it's a, it's a deliberate thing in the movie because the movie opens and he's writing, uh, he's writing a, a letter. letter to his wife, Chris Van Houten, who is now of Game of Thrones fame. Right, who's in right. Black Book? Right, she's she's. Uh, uh, in the Verhoeven movie Black Book. Yes. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's the, the, what is she, the Red Witch or whatever? In was Game it? of Thrones, yeah. yeah. But he, he's writing a letter to her, and the movie opens, and he's narrating the letter in German. And then yeah, as right. he's narrating the letter, and as he's writing the letter, the words, and it's whatever. I mean, it's like an on-the-nose bullshit motif. But I do appreciate it, because the movie kind of lets you know, like, right away, like, yeah. This is what we're going to do and and you're not going to he's Cruz is smart enough at that point at least to be like post uh, post far and away. Post far and away. Exactly. Right, right, right. To be like I'm not going to But pre-American made where he does it more successfully a southern accent. Yeah, but that's way easier. That's I know. Like way yeah, more in right, his right. ballpark like But you're right. Valkyrie he says, "Hey." And maybe this is a singer thing, but he but, but remember, you know, he's the studio head. Also, yeah. a weird thing to think about. He's like one of the studio heads who's like starring, starring in, in a movie, movie. Yeah, he it's, greenlit. Yeah, it's very, that's kind of cool. That, well, that in and that's of itself cool. feels like an old-fashioned thing. I sure. Feel like it was, I mean, it, yeah, like Charlie, like Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin right, right, yeah. right, which is you're not artists, right? I just think that this movie is is at least smart enough to recognize that right. I would bad agree. accents would have been more of a detriment like to this movie than and 10%, than no accents. And, and also, and also, the thing about this movie is. You watch it in a vacuum. You forget about the context, right? Because this is, once again, remember, deep cruise hate, right? Yeah. And, and understandably to some degree. They even had a hard time. Filming they, in Germany, right? Right, because Germany, the whole Scientology thing, they were like. Is oh. that right? Yeah, they were yeah, not, I mean, not big on it. Yeah, and so this is prime, maybe Cruise is done. Hey, you know what, Tom Cruise, maybe we're done, right? This movie overperformed to some degree. It's a tense little picture, right? It it is like you're saying with the editing, well done, right? Yeah. And the score. And Ottman did do both, yeah. right? As a style piece, it's doing a lot. Yeah. It's snappy. The cruise performance is good. Um, Every everybody's performance. It's is doing that. It's doing good. that cool thing, right? Where you know, you know what's going to happen. You know they're not going to assassinate Hitler, right? Right. But even but when he puts the suitcase under the desk and tries to do it, you're in the theater. You're like, "Holy shit, that's my work!" Right? Yeah, right. It, you're it, like, "Maybe you know, they'll kill." And of course, it won't. Yeah. But um, but it's a good and it's well paced. It's not too long, so it's a good, it's a good little movie, right? It makes eighty three million domestically. I believe worldwide, it makes two hundred. Right. The budget's seventy five. So you call that right with like like with a lot of these things. With print advertising, with obviously ha- half of the profits going to the movie theaters, right? You call it an even split, something like that. You know, no one's, like I said before, not unlike Lance for Lamps, right? <laughs> it's not a really a success. Maybe you call it a failure. Not as much of a failure as Lions for Lambs. And I think especially since it came out after Lions for Lambs, it felt probably like a success because it, you know, did okay. Well, there, I... So I mean, I saw it in theaters, probably I did, like December twenty sixth. I did, I that did year. not. I did not. But um, I do think I, I will disagree with that a little bit. I don't think if you're 
cruising company at UA. Right. And this happens and you get those receipts. Uh, I don't think... I don't. I don't think you look at it as a, as a success, right? You think because you're like, right. well, maybe like if you're him and you're self reflecting, and I, I mean, I don't think that dude has probably done a minute <laughs> of self reflection in his entire <laughs> life. But just for the sake of argument, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. are, you go, uh, maybe I'm done. Like maybe, maybe Tom Cruise, the movie star, the man who can carry a movie, is is no more, right? And then you make, you know, you make. Like kind of the logical, um, you make kind of the logical next step, right? Which is to say, you you retreat. Basically, like he did the Tropic Thunder thing, right? Separately before this, right? Yes, before Valkyrie, right, right, which we talked about, right? And we'll and and again to what to what you said earlier, it's it's tough because he doesn't really have that long of a streak, right, of of these kinds of movies. So that came in between Lions for Lambs and Valkyrie, Tropic Thunder. Right. And 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 gave him some some goodwill. And I think that's probably what elevated a movie like Valkyrie. Sure. Up a little bit from Lions he's for Lambs. He's making fun of him. Or yeah. he's, he's, having, he's not making fun of himself, but goofing around. Right. And and so then you get into Valkyrie and I think maybe that is what brought a few people back sure. to the box office. Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah. maybe I like him again, right? Didn't quite pan out, though. So he does. He goes back to the well. He goes back to the Mission Impossible well. But in a way, right, that he thinks about, you know, you you think about Tropic Thunder. It's like, oh, I'm goofing around. I'm having a good time. And he basically makes, like, the pre-Ghost Protocol Ghost Protocol, which is night and day. Right. Right? And it's this, like, he's... He play, he is crazy in the movie, which helps a lot. Like Yeah, and I don't think people fully appreciate wh- that. You know, when yeah. when you go, when you return to it, uh, I feel like you're the self and like you said, maybe it's not self-awareness, but I I have to think it is. The self-awareness of the performance, right? Where he's playing a crazy guy. I mean, that's the, yeah, I mean, that's what this movie is. He's playing crazy Ethan Hunt. I mean, th- yeah, yeah. Th- literally, this is like a North by Northwesty, Mission Impossible, mm, hodgepodge. Yeah, and it feels like that. I mean, in-demand script called Wichita uh, while I was getting passed around. Tried right. to make it for a long time. Right. James Mangold jumps on. They do it. They change it to Night and Day. The title to Night and Day. Um. And it's basically, yeah, it's basically a slapstick Mission Impossible movie. Not only is it like slapstick, but it's like it's good slapstick. Like not only, like you know, they it's a reunion with uh, with Diaz after Vanilla Sky, right? Um, they have they have pretty good chemistry. I I'm not I don't think she's wonderful in the movie, but I she's she, she's fine. I like her in it. Yeah, she's I, doing something. I've kind of, and I've said this to you before, but I've kind of always felt watch, watching, I felt this way after I saw it in 2010. Every time I rewatch it, it's a very rewatchable movie, by the way. It's like, oh my God. It's super entertaining. Amen. Amen. Um, but it, I've always kind of felt that if, if you want, if you want this movie to be a little funnier, uh, and more charming than it already is, uh, I would have put someone like Elizabeth Banks in the role. Yeah, I mean, I think some. I, uh, yeah, 
it's not a bad idea. I, I do think something – I mean, she, Cameron Diaz is the straight man, right? I mean, she's the straight woman, right? Mm. So Cruz is going full crazy Cruz. Yeah. So uh, you put in a, a Banks in there. And it might be a little bit too silly, right? Maybe. Right. It's like a. It's like it's more like a fun with Dick and Jane thing than than it yeah, is. Yeah. Right. Something. So yeah. so for what for what for what it is, I think it works really well. I mean, so you know, this this trio of movies. I mean, not kind of what Connor was saying. They all kind of disappoint, right? This movie is a is a bigger studio picture, right? It's with um, Fox, and the budget's somewhere around one twenty, right? One hundred twenty million dollars. And when all is said and done, it grosses like 260, 260 million. So, you know, probably loses some money, right? There's a lot of things about it. Like, I, you know, it went, when when people were talking about what happened, people said Fox kind of maybe mismanaged the release. They The posters weren't great. Like, they're not really featured prominently in one of the posters. And I, there's a bunch of things. I mean, I think, I think very honestly – like we're saying, it was a, it was a bit of a road back for this guy, right? I mean, yeah. he, he pissed a lot of people off. I think that when it comes down to it, with each passing year, there seems to be a reappraisal of these three of these three movies, especially of Night and Day, right? Right. Great writers like David Ehrlich, right, writing things about how this isn't kind of an underseen gem, and I think it's being rediscovered. Well, you know, I, I, do, I, I really do. I think what's helped with the movies reappraisal in general, it's. I mean, it's the best of these three movies. That we're no question. About. Yeah. No question. And I think what's really helpful uh, in its reappraisal is the the ascension of James Mangold, right? Right. As, yeah, that's you know, a good like, point. I think that's I think that's, that's a, very a big good point. thing, right? Like crushes it with Logan, and right. I think you have a lot of people then just kind of. And even before that, with the no, 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 with I the mean, Wolverine, I, right? James Mangold is like the best workman director that's ever made movies i think as far as like he's done a lot of good work like right. yeah just as far as making like i i can't really think what else to call them but just workman level movies like identity uh he did the 310 to yuma remake girl interrupted like you know like he and he's it's a varied filmography right yeah. and and night and day is his is his spy movie and it's like yeah. a fun good one his charade or yeah exactly you know. exactly and it it's kind of funny cuz i you know before uh, the Mission Impossible franchise rehired Chris McQuarrie to do six, I would think to myself, like, oh, who would be the great next guy to do it? And I would be like, oh, Mangold. But then, like, I would stop and realize, like, no, he made one. Like, I know it has, right. it's nine day. Right. Is what his there, is, there is a Mission Impossible, James, James Mangold. Mangold movie. That's true. Right. Tom Cruise, of all these stars that we're exploring in terms of B-side, he, he's someone who has has few of them. Right, I mean, he, he was a star young, and he was and he he was always hitting more than he was missing, you know. And even the misses, in their own way, are are almost not B side movies. Like Far and Away, is a fiasco movie. So I almost don't know. It's almost it's famous not like it's middling a, yeah. enough to be a B side movie. I mean, it's like between his accent and the box office receipts, you know, and and. You know, it's an epic, and and it it's not very good. I will say the you know what I don't even know like another B side. We were talking about this before. There's not much, right? Even Days of Thunder, kind of forgotten well, now, even, but e a hit. And even and cocktail. Even, even oh. this run of B sides that we're talking about is interrupted by Tropic Thunder, which is great, right? And, and, and he's, is only and, well, he's and only, not only, only gotten it 
grown in time. Yeah, and it's and he's he's a he's one of the best parts about it is the important thing to remember, sure. right? Like uh he adds value to it, you know? And I yeah. think um and then, you know, and then after this, you know, the he he's really back to a certain degree uh with Ghost Protocol. Which Ghost Pro. which is which is right to a certain degree it's almost like an extension of night and day because he's He's serious in the role, but is it's very, like an animated, almost quite literally, it's a performance. Yeah, it's, right? it's Brad, Brad Bird. Bird. He's Brad making Bird. like an animated Mission Impossible movie. Um, and then yeah, and then you know yeah, you get you get things like Rock of Ages, which like that that feels like a you know that feels like an agent move, right? Or some kind of like where it's like, dude, just play Stacy Jacks, you know, and just do it. <laughs> yeah, like I you know, like kind of like, and admittedly, I mean that movie is not good. No, but I do think he is one of the best parts about it. Well, yeah, I mean he. Just, That's also me. I you know he, you know he he's just you know he's just going full uh, to eleven on that. Yeah, like you know whether you're, whether you're like it or not, yeah. right? And so. And that's it. I mean, that's 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 the period of time where he was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna make these movies," and yeah. it didn't work. And he made Mission Impossible before. I mean, that's what's so fascinating about it. It's really a an interesting swing and a miss. But once again, he meets McQuarrie. Right? He kind of finds a mojo with this writer, this now writer slash director, and you know, we got Mission Impossible Six coming up. You know, and, I mean, and, we got and, Edge of Tomorrow out of it, which sure, I think, I sure, think most sure, sure, people sure. would agree in in the back half of his career as it is now. For a lot of people, that's like the crown jewel, a highlight. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, potentially, yes. And so, you know, and and once again, recently there might be more B sides. Time will tell. Oblivion, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, right? American Made. That might be another trio, you know, in, in two years. You're like, hey, remember those movies? Right. Right? But they're punctuated by these Mission Impossible movies, right? Which, as of now, are still kind of monster hits. So, we'll see what happens. Until then, until we cruise again, um, I'm Dan Mecca. Thank you for taking this journey, this, this cruise, this trip uh, with me, Connor O'Donnell. And that's it. That's all she wrote. Well, thank you for having. Are me. there any? Uh, I mean, oh, here's uh, so what? Give me, give me a PS. Give me a postscript. Well, what would you, uh, what would you like to see out of him? <sighs> I want one more. Hmm. I, I feel like the Jerry Maguire days are over, right. and, I, and I don't, and I don't know that I want him back. No, right. right. I don't want to see him as a romantic. Lead I mean, I'll tell you, I ever. American Made is what I wanted. You know, when I heard he was doing it, and it was what I got. I mean, I yeah. liked it. You know, yeah. I wish it was a little bit more. You know what? I, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is this is what I want. And I think you'll agree with me. I want. I want a Tom Cruise Logan. You know, I want. I want a. I want a movie where Cruise. He's older, right? He's in yeah. his fifties. And he's clearly going out of his way to stay young, and it's and, uh, that's uh, yeah. Uh, uh, look, it's detrimental. It, yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's the right way to go. Yeah, you know, sag down. You know, be old, be be worn, be tired. That's what I want. Yeah, I agree. That's I, what I want. Yeah, I think I think that's the best. That's like the best possible thing for everybody involved. Like, do you know what I mean? Like for him. And for like, I feel like and even if you don't like him, like if just to see him in a movie, well, right, and, and yeah. to not be annoyed by him, I yeah. think it, I think it would make him significantly. Well, because he's done Crazy Cruise, right. and it's kind of worked to some degree. 
right? And I don't know that you can keep doing it. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you own it. You own the age, you know? And I think that would, that would be an interesting thing to watch. And I think like you're saying, there would be a weird sympathy for that guy in a role like that. So we'll see what happens until then once more. Uh, thanks for listening and, uh, we'll catch you on the next one.